Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 499 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how you doing today? Fantastic. I love when you remember the Lamborghini part. Right. It's only been seven or eight months, and it's not like there's anything else going on that's preoccupying my time or my life. No, no, nothing at all. No, I, I did add to the uh, podcast Pet Peeves in your honor. You have to listen to After Dark this week to find out about that. Oh, good. I know all the podcasts you listen to. so I only listen to the best podcasts. That's right. I don't know how you find the time of the day to listen to hundreds of thousands of podcasts, but here we are. <laughs> I have a good podcatcher, Joe. Yeah, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have a podcatcher, too. It's called a garbage can. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, all podcatchers are great. I'm a nice guy, and I like everybody. You like all podcatchers. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, even though there are no new books this week, we have so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable how much we have to talk about. We have more delays, of course, in regards to uh, what's going on. We have uh, how comic book professionals are attempting to help out. And uh, a huge development in regards to new books coming to a store near you next week. Mm -hmm. And also the returns of sub-news segments grading on you and the Rob Watch. Uh, digital books and sales, links of notes for people to, for you to go check out, uh, the continued journey of Todd and I through Kurt Busick's runs, respectively on Conan, myself, and Thunderbolts for Todd. Uh, I don't think we had any art attacks this week, but I'm mentioning it here in the show notes. And of course, the back half of the Amazon Prime television series based on the Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson comic book, The Boys. Mm, yes, sir. All right, got a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it. Okay. So, uh, delays. I would say the biggest delay, and I'm not going to uh, say that I'm eating crow on this one, but it was officially announced that San Diego Comic-Con is not postponed it's canceled for 2020. They're not even going to try to reschedule it. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. The logistics are too, like, it's just too much. That was yeah. the word I couldn't think of last time we talked about it was logistics. Mm hmm. I thought they'd reconfigure, redo something. Um, I know WonderCon, which was canceled, is, defini is definitively scheduled for March of next year and Comic-Con is scheduled for July of next year. Right. I mean, not to be too much of a downer, like a lot of people are saying that there may not be like, even if they could get everything to line up all their ducks in a row, they're talking about not wanting to have mass gatherings for like maybe till 2021. Mm -hmm. So like no concerts, no blah, blah, blah. So even if they do get it, maybe they would be told like, eh, 
wait till next year, you know? So I just, you know, it's just weird because I think San Diego is actually the 50th anniversary, which kind of sucks, you know? Like that's, that was a milestone and it's not going to happen. At least I'm not going to miss out on any exclusives that I wanted. There you go. And, you know, I don't know if any, and as you had mentioned, there was stuff in the pipeline already that was supposed to coincide with things that would be coming out this July one would wonder how far into production those exclusives were. And, you know, we saw in the past for uh, a couple other conventions where they did like online stuff. Uh, I think Funko put a lot of their stuff up online. A couple other when Emerald city got canceled. Yep. I would say a lot of that, I, that a lot of that, uh, uh, exclusive stuff is like, if it was a comics, cause they'd have their own comic cover, they would be books that were coming out that July. Like DC would have their exclusive gold cover of Catwoman or whatever, or these other companies, they would all be books that would be coming out in July. So they would get printed, you know, like a month before, but the plastic toys and figures maybe earlier so i don't know like what kind of turnaround they time time they would need to do like a san diego exclusive gi joe figure or transformer or something like that but the comics pretty easy to, to shut down i think the toys i don't know and i could see funko and just it works so well with e- uh, emerald city comic con i could see them doing what they would have had exclusively for san diego and just doing the having their online purchases because they'll make a ton of money without any of the overhead of having to go to san diego right which again you know if ends up being financially feasible uh for these companies they may just end up doing this anyway as the world goes forward you know mm-hmm. right uh just some information coming out about marvel um putting pauses or delays on certain things obviously they were looking at the schedule to see what things are far enough ahead of schedule that they can pair back on uh they claim a lot of the x-men stuff is pretty far ahead of schedule so even with this current you know as we are month pause into books coming out um that they don't really have to push that too hard uh, a couple different creators doing some of the tie-ins for the Empire stuff. And I know they were trying to work on Empire, so there were no delays once print comics came back. Uh, they are Marvel is also looking into doing some digital exclusive stuff just to kind of keep people working. Right. But, you know, Marvel is attempting to try to reconfigure things. Uh, obviously stuff that was to tie in with the Black Widow movie, uh, like the Black Widow series, the Taskmaster series. Those have been put on hold. The movie's not supposed to be out until November. So it's like, okay, you've got time. Like you can, you don't have to work on that today. Right. I mean, I, unless they wanted not even to get them out earlier, like get them done. You know what I mean? But I don't know. We'll have to see. That's all. That's all above my pay grade. Right, and then there was a whole bunch of other stuff on the DC side of thing because their big summer movie was supposed to be Wonder Woman 1984. So a bunch of new collections, reprinted collections, things that tied into that that were supposed to come out in May are now just all getting shuffled until like August, September uh, since that's when the movie is scheduled to be coming out. Mm -hmm. And then other books that were supposed to originally have been solicited to be coming out that books just kind of stopped production, most notably uh, Brian Michael Bendis's Legion. The first collection of that was originally supposed to be out in July, but that was already seeing delays. And now with this, that's just delayed even further. 
Right. But that's an excuse, at least. Right. We have excuses here, but I'm seeing of, you know, one domino causing other dominoes to fall with like a Wonder Woman movie. It's like, okay, like here's nine trades that are all being delayed because of this. Right. Right. Here's the the Black Widow movie, which is supposed to come out next week. Here's two full comic book series that don't tie in, but kind of walk up alongside of the movie. Those are just delayed. Right. Um, And it's interesting seeing, of course, um, seeing uh, what books Marvel is already saying are kind of ahead of schedule and which ones kind of might need a little extra time so that when the schedule does pick back up, there won't be any further delays. Right. And and a lot of that, too, with the Wonder Woman, not so much the Legion because that was behind already, mm-hmm. is we have to like what can be printed, like what printers are open too. you know what I mean? So like right. even if you have the the material that's already been done and, and being reprinted, it's like, well, where can we take it? Uh, uh, even though Wonder Woman movie isn't coming out, I mean, any sort of reprint or anything like that. You, you just you don't have anywhere to have it made. Yes. Now, and again, while the publishers themselves are attempting to keep some creators busy, other creators have taken it upon themselves to assist, uh, you know, your local comic book retailer. Uh, most notably, Creators the Number Four Comics. Uh, you can find the hashtag of that. I think it's something over 120 different creators are donating things to that, whether it be art whether it be their time. I know Jason Aaron was offering up like him being a guest on your podcast. And I think it was like up to over $600 at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, people donating original arts, doing original art for it. And, you know, we're talking everyone from Sam Humphreys, Bendis, uh, Phil Jimenez, all sorts of people in between there. And it's all going toward the book industry charitable foundation, Uh, which is set up, we've talked about them before, which is set up to help comic book shops and bookstores, uh, you know, while they're currently closed and not able to actually sell anything, right? Right. And, you know, it is part of this, but of course, um, Jim Lee has his separate store up on eBay where he is selling original art, where pieces are selling anywhere from as low as $890 all the way up to what? 20,000 almost. Yeah, I, I'm seeing things selling here for like 12,000, 15,000, 17,000. Right. It's crazy. The, the big ones are his, but his store now, his eBay site, he's also taken on other creators. Yeah. Like he has Joe Bennett and Art Adams, and I'm trying to see like some of the other ones. Right. Ron um, Garney, you Ron- mentioned. Sam yeah. Keith. So, like, that's where it's going because Jim Lee's doing the 60. Sh- pieces in 60 days where other creators are like, we'll give it, we'll give whatever we can, you know? Right. And you know, the stuff is selling as it is, um, as we're recording, uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, guy Gardner and ice by Joe Bennett that went up. I so want that, but it's already out of my price range. I don't know. Were you saying that you were going to use your stimuli check to buy a piece of original art? Yes, but I haven't got, I got my tax return. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten my stimuli yet. Oh, oh, but it would you. be my stimulu guy, Gardner. Check. Oh my goodness! <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff, and I like the fact that I found out that uh, the Huntress is back up again because oh. Jim, Jim Lee put out on his Twitter that whoever bought it flaked out and disappeared. Who won it on eBay? So I guess 
I don't know if he could, because me and uh, Josh were talking about this. Like, should it go to the second highest bidder or just keep it fair, put it back up? Like, I don't know what their thinking was, but they ended up uh, putting it back up and it's already at uh, $8,500. So. Oh, right, I, I was going to say, because typically um, when something doesn't sell, the next highest bidder technically would get the next offer, technically. Right, maybe the second guy was like, well, he wouldn't have bid it up that high if he had stayed, you know what I mean? Or he bid on something else, or... Right, or that guy who who didn't win that won the next Jim Lee auction. It's like, well, I have $9,000, but I don't have $18,000 yeah. for two, so... Oh, goodness. Like I said, Jim Lee going to single-handedly save comics, comic He's shops. trying, anyway. man, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if anybody wants to buy me that Art Adams Doctor Who, I would gladly, or Doctor Who, Doctor Doom, I'll gladly accept it. Yeah. So now I would say it's time for the biggest story of the week. <laughs> and that is the uh, news came out uh, on Friday. That DC was going to have print comics sent to retailers a week today on the 28th of April. Right. Um, As it stands, any orders that were placed through Diamond for the first three weeks of April have been canceled. Right. Uh, You need to resubmit for the DC books. Uh, What DC is offering, though, is not all of the books that were scheduled to come out those first three weeks. So the first three weeks of April are concurrently going to be shipping the last week of April and the first two weeks of May. Um, And it's a sampling of things. Um, Reprints of stuff are coming out mostly. Um, I know the Walmart books still made it. The new Walmart books made it to their locations this past weekend, but I think they go through different shipping methods well, the Walmart books have different covers than the ones that go in the comic shop. Oh, okay. Right. So they that's that's what like makes them different, I guess. So true collectors want them both sometimes. Of course. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone is wondering, of course, how DC is able to do this. They are doing this. It looks like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, that this is being done only in... North America, United States and Canada, it looks like. That's what I came to believe from reading stuff. Okay, and they're doing they're doing this through two different distributors. One is called Lunar, and the other one is USC, not uh, the college, if you will. Right. Now, we had actually talked here who those companies are, um, because it appears as though uh, Lunar is, uh, and again, I'm just trying to make sure that I have them correct here, Um, Lunar is DCBS, Discount Comic Book uh, Store. It's a retailer that does, like, mail-order comics. Right. UCS, I said USC, but UCS is Midtown Comics. Right. So we've talked before about those companies because DCBS was the ones that sent out emails to anyone that was on their mailing list saying that the first two weeks of books are already at diamonds warehouse and just sitting there not being sent. Mm -hmm. And we also talked that Midtown comics was the fulfiller wholesaler, whatever that handled Marvel subscription mail home service. Right. 
So DC reaches out to th- these two companies that already do their own sort of shipping business to get books out. Now, one of the notable books that are missing from this is the uh, Batman 92, which was going to be the official, official full appearance of uh, Joker's daughter done right bombshell. Punchline. Punchline, whatever. Right. I care so much, right? Right, right. And when questioned about this, uh, Jim Lee, who appeared on a Kevin Smith podcast this past week, um, just said that these are not all the books that are shipping. We're just taking a section of them. We're not releasing the whole line. Quote, it's like the marketplace has been on a diet. They haven't eaten for a month. You just can't give them a ton of real food at once. You've got to slowly release it back to them. The whole idea is to get books out into to try to stress test these new distributors that we've partnered with and how the retailers will handle this. We're holding back on big titles like 92 Batman 92, um, which there are 230,000 copies sitting in a diamond warehouse. Um, and we want to make sure that we could test, see how this works before we start rolling out the big books. Uh, we want to give the stores something that keeps them afloat without, overburdening them because these books while in stores next week may not be to stores that can be open by the 29th of april right um and there's a lot going on with this right obviously this is just the so what are your thoughts on this before we get into some of the other discussions and everything else like that and like how diamond has reacted how the rest of the industry has reacted all of it i think jim lee is giving us half truth Mm -hmm. um I think, and it because it's Jim Lee and not Dan DiDio anymore, like that people are just going to believe him because he has a lot of good, you know, he has a lot of good cred with people. But I do believe in all the like, you know, you got to space it out, you got to do. But my, my thinking is, and I hear the rumor that these, because all the books that are at Diamond, like we said, some of these are going, that the rumor is that they are going to, they're only the small print one, print run ones, because what they're going to do is they're going to reprint these books or whatever. And send them out. Because you look at the Flash one that they're going to send, that's only an exclusive cover to somewhere else. So that's one that's not at Diamond. Because Flash is a higher tier book. It's not Batman. But they won't pulp nine, a hundred and, you know, 200,000 copies of Batman. We'll wait for those to come out. Right. Um, because that's not logistically, like, good for the, the, the money-wise. But I look at it as that's what they're up to, is they're trying to thing. And I heard the rumor is that... Uh, the ones that are a diamond will get destroyed. So they're still first prints. I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but I just look at it as a weird, a weird situation. I, I think we're not getting the whole truth and I want to see how this all plays out. And I'm actually curious to see what our retailer is going to do because I don't have a, I don't have a lot on that list, but two or three books over the next three weeks I'd like to get. And I'd gladly just pay them for them and, let them sit. You know what I mean? Like I'll come in at, you know, three books over three weeks. I'm not going to risk going out to get them, but you don't even have to ship them. I'll come in three weeks and my PayPal's taken care of it. Yep. Absolutely. And looking at the list, there's nothing on there that I typically get, you know, mm-hmm. did you have the list right in front of you? I do not. Uh, does it say flash with the weird cover or something? Cause it I remember just says flash 753. It doesn't specify a cover. Okay. Cause I thought it was an exclusive cover, but I'd it's have not to look specifying. Right, because 
we had like a thousand stories on this that we had to comb through. So like yeah. finding oh that's my. why like trying to find the exact uh, one that had that information is pointless. Right. And like, you know, the flash book, that's big. The Morrison green lantern book. That's big. Uh, Harley Quinn and justice league. Those are big books. And that's what we're getting like the second and third weeks of this. And of course, a lot of other things is that either no other retailer has reached out to DCBS or Midtown to do this, mm-hmm. or vice versa. DCBS or Midtown have not reached out to other uh, publishers to see if they want to do this. Right. And on the Batman, how much do you think it is, Joe, that the storyline was that uh, something's like obviously all those villains are fighting Batman and Riddler's taking over, and Riddler demands that everybody like lock themselves in their house and can't come outside during Gotham? You think that story's a little too close to, to print it out to get it out if they could, or do you think they'd want that punchline story out if they could? I th- and it's terrible to say, I think if Dan was still in charge, that would be out, right? Do you think because it's out of their hands that Jim gets to say, you know what I mean? Yes. Okay. So that's where I'm going. The half truths. You know what I mean? Yes. That's just my take on things. But it's going to be interesting to see where this is going to go from here. Um, You know, diamond has, uh, you know, stated, of course, uh, that they still value their partnership with DC and will continue to support them as a distributor. Um, they're looking at building our restart plans and targeting mid to late May, which is right around when this first three weeks that DC has rolled out uh, to being shipping new product. If we see signs that it's safe to resume shipping earlier, we certainly will. Um, so they haven't told DC to go pound sand. We're not doing your books anymore. <laughs> but this could be the beginning of DC and maybe others doing that to Diamond. You know, a lot of people have brought up uh, we kind of mentioned it here in passing a little bit. I think we've also talked about it a bit on uh, one of our Patreon shows previewing the past that back, you know, 30 years ago, there was more than just Diamond. There were other, um, you know, what was the mo- one that Marvel purchased? There was Heroes something or other. Heroes World. Heroes World. It was last week when we were talking about Todd McFarlane that it was in 92, 93 when Image decided to go exclusive with Diamond that effectively wiped out the third other uh yep distributor other than diamond and other than uh heroes world that marvel had purchased there was a great uh there was a great tw- uh twitter thread that uh our retailer and josh was talking about like how also the whole like uh glut like destroyed it that people were speculating too much on books and that brought whole distributors down because they got stuck with you know literally thousands of copies of certain books and it's there's there's a whole myriad of like a perfect storm that did it but we had somebody like tweet us on the show was like oh like i remember when there was multiple distributors you were able to you know a retailer was able to go like, oh, you know what? Diamond is, you know, I'm I'm owed diamond money and I can't afford to pay. I'll just open a, an account with Heroes World and they'll take me with open arms and I start from scratch. And like, that's not fair. They were like, that's not fair to the, to the distributors. I was like, that's true, but it's also not fair to the retailers if a distributor has a monopoly because they could put all kinds of stupid rules in and where are you going to go if you want to keep your business open? So in the end, I ended up by even saying on there that to me, you want competition. Competition is always good 
for like a, the business that you're in. Because if not, somebody's going to have a stranglehold, whether it's the retailers or the distributors. Somebody's got the upper hand. Hopefully we can like equalize this with everything that's going on. Right. So um, the Twitter account in question is Richard Pace, and that's R as in Robert Pace, P-A-C-E. Yep. It's He's a whole big – was that – He's the artist on uh, Second Coming. Oh, okay. There you that's go. Perfect. Right. So he goes through a whole big long thing, thing, and I'm not going to read like all the tweets here, but you know, he was saying that there were retailers who would seriously speculate on t- titles, hoping that they'd strike back issue gold. Instead of just ordering the 50 they knew they'd sell, they'd o- order double or more and just hide the others away in the hopes that they would sell them at a later date at a uh, big markup. Um, how that put Marvel in a bad spot. Um Image and then the companies that kind of hitched their wagons to Image were Dark Horse and Valiant and Malibu, and they kind of strengthened. They were like had a bigger market share than Marvel did. Um, and then talks about how doing that killed Heroes, killed the other retail, the the other publisher, but also goes on to say, uh, DC backing the launch with two new distributors isn't a guarantee uh, of a return to a pre-Diamond monopoly. Uh, but competing distributors will ultimately be good for publishers and shops. Right. And that's one person's opinion. Um, you know, who knows how this is all going to wash out at the end of the day. But it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. And that's what this podcast has become with no new books. Right. And one last thing, our retailer was tweeting out that that whole thing that I was saying about the, even the distributors were speculating they would buy extra stuff. And he was saying back in the day, the tweet actually says we would get notifications. This was before everyone had email. They would get actual letters of what was in stock. And he it would be like, we have 3,467 copies of Tribe number one left. And, you know, 489 copies of Turok and so on. And he, and he even says, he was like, no, we were talking about crazy number. Many were in the five digits of what the distributors had over ordered. So in all this, like people blame the retailers and speculation, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes the, the distributors helped a little bit too. So it's, it's just to me a whole fascinating, like I would love to see a special on all of the history. You know what I mean? Yep. That'd be very, I think that'd be tough to, to track down and apply and so forth. Right. But if someone could do it, I'd watch it. Yep. So I, I do also want to throw in here in the return of grading on you. Uh, you know, we kind of use that segment to poke fun at <laughs> CGC, which is still open because in Florida, if you move enough money around, anything can be an essential business. Mm hmm. Uh, but they have decided to donate $10,000 to the aforementioned. Um, B-I-N-C, the Book Industry Charitable Foundation, uh, in addition to all the creators and Jim Lee and all the other folks that are doing something to to help out the local retailers, bookstores, and so forth. And this was information that I was unaware of, of course, when we talked about B-I-N-C a couple weeks ago, last week and this week. Um, you know, the, the timetable that the retailers, bookstores, and so forth have to apply to get their portion of whatever those funds are. Uh, the request, uh, the application period ends next week. And then, uh, you know, they'll, the, the checks are going toward operating expensive, you know, lost wages for employees and things of that nature. Right. 
So if you're a retailer or know your retailer is going through some tough times, make sure to direct them to the BINC website so they can uh, stay aloft during all of this. Right. And one last thing, of course, uh, to close out the news segment. And what would a news segment be <laughs> if it wasn't for the return of... Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. That's right, the Rob Watch, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. The Rob has been the quiet lately. <laughs> and by that I mean, as uh, as this episode goes live, he will be doing a live chat with uh, Word Balloon's John Suntress on YouTube, Facebook. That'll probably get uploaded into a podcast sometime on Wednesday. So, I don't know. The Rob's never done anything salacious or out of the ordinary. <laughs> um, but while this has all been going on last week over the weekend... On the 17th of April, the 28-year 28, the 28 anniversary of Youngblood number one, he he put up information about the new team that he's created, uh, EKO Squadron 92. Ooh, rolls right off the tongue. That's right, which he's been working on since, uh, you know, he's been uh, under quarantine as well. And, uh, you know... It, it's it's Youngblood with a fresh coat of paint. He doesn't what? own the rights to his own characters. It's like, here's a guy that looks like Deadpool, but he's black and gold. And then here's a guy that looks like whoever the archer in the group was, but he's blue and silver. <laughs> you mean Hawkeye done right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, the character's names are Bo... And I don't think he's named the other characters. Bo is the guy who's the archer, by the way. How do you know it's not Bow? I'm going to guess it's Bo. You never know with the Rob. <laughs> because he does say, quote, uh, meet Bo. Bo knows archery. Oh, like Bo Jackson. That's right. The greatest running back in the history of Tecmo Bowl. That's true. That is true. So uh, again, I'm I'm glad that the the Rob is working hard, getting new right. things out, uh, and I I am a glutton for punishment. I will probably li- listening to the Rob go on with uh, Johnny in regards to whatever the Rob is up to. Mm-hmm. I'll have to fire up my podcatcher and maybe check that one out. Absolutely. <laughs> So a couple things you could do. We've been talking about comic books and things coming out and so forth. Uh, If you head over to the uh, show notes that accompany this episode, of course, we have that running list of all the conventions that were supposed to be going on and all of them being canceled and postponed and more and more getting canceled as the weeks and days come on. Um, Let's see where. What's the biggest one that I see here that has not been canceled yet? The list is getting smaller and smaller, Todd. That's right. They haven't. We still know New York's going on, right? Is New York going on? New York's all the way in October, typically now, isn't it? Yeah. Let's look at Heroes Con, which is scheduled for late June. I'm going to guess. Still scheduled. Has not been postponed, changed, or delayed. 
I wonder if all, like we always say if all that has to do with like the logistics of it. Like they have to wait till a point if they have insurance. You know what I mean? Like if it you have looks ins- now see, and that's the thing. So that's Heroes Con is third week of June, mm-hmm. and there are conventions that are all the way up to the second week of June that are canceled and postponed. So I can I, I can imagine if we come back next week and revisit this list, mm-hmm. Heroes Con might be postponed. Right. Because I think, as you mentioned, everyone has their sliding scale where once it gets to a certain day, we could officially cancel. Right. Maybe they have, like, their insurance policies. Like, because some of them do take insurance policies for, oh, yeah. like, disasters and stuff. Like, they have a, like, you know, all insurance is different, as I, I you know, people find out. Um, but, it, it, you know, they, like, might have to wait to an exact date, like I said. So, I don't know. I don't give anybody guff for not canceling because I don't know what their contracts are, you know? like Of course. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you can make your con essential business, and that's fine. But it looks like, oh. Well, I think the ones in Florida, maybe. But outside of San Diego, and I'm, right. I'll mention this here. So outside of San Diego, um, everything from July out is not canceled or postponed. Right. So, you know, San Diego taking the hit. Now, I, I do want to say this. You know the real heads, Todd, like you and I, call that convention, that ha- the big convention that happens on the West Coast. Right. We call it San Diego. Mm-hmm. The fake heads call it Comic-Con. No, that's, that'll always be San Diego. Okay. I hear so many different people. Maybe Johnny come lately's to comic book conventions. Maybe people that just go there for the toys. <laughs> Maybe people that just go there for the news about their new TV shows or movies. And they call San Diego Comic-Con. Like they don't call it San Diego and they don't call it San Diego Comic Con. Right. It's like San Diego's the Kleenex of tissues. Uh-huh. It's like, well, we're just Comic Con. And that's yes. everybody else is like, you know, no. To me, there's the there's the big ones and then there's the wannabes. Like, you know, it's San Diego. You always have to go San Diego, New York, C2E2, uh, Heroes Con, Baltimore. Those are the five. And people say, oh, well, EC, you know, Emerald City's up and is there. I'm like, no, these are the mainstays. I'm an old man. The rest of this stuff is nice. But it's San Diego, New York, uh, Heroes, Baltimore, and C2E2. Yep. So uh, also, a friend of the show, longtime listener of the show, Chris Runt, has his Kickstarter book, Battle Monsters, which has about eight days as we're recording this show, eight days. I'm enjoying my sobriety. Uh, he's also a Rochester boy. So uh, he's had a garbage plate or two in his day. Uh, he's about two-thirds of the way from his goal, so definitely check him out. And, of course, we, this show, would not be remiss without mentioning our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. If you are in the market for some new material to read and you're not a digital person like many of us are uh our local retailer is doing i don't want to say a fire sale but he is selling tons and tons of stuff through his store that you can link to off the facebook page Mm -hmm. for the store which will be in the show notes here of course he tweets out links all the time as he's acquiring new stuff 
A majority of the stuff looks to be 30% off as it currently stands. Uh, but definitely check things out. I'm sure you will find something affordable and you are helping helping out a small business, a local business. And you're also helping out, I would say, this show indirectly. Yep. Because if, you know, with him, he's where we get our stuff. And I saw him today sell some crazy guy a Ecto-1 Transformer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm getting but. messages there. But like I said, all the links to that will be in the show notes, of course. Check that out. But if you are a digital person, uh, you can certainly check out some of the sales. Marvel is having a ton of sales going on. Uh, Frank Miller, Daredevil stuff, uh, X-Factor, Peter David's run, and more. Uh, Black Widow and the Avengers sale. It's funny that the digital stuff that was supposed to tie into Black Widow is still getting the push. But the, the print stuff is getting pulled back, like the new stuff, I guess, if you will. I don't find that. I don't find it funny. I just like, yeah, it's in the slot. We'll have a sale. It's all good. They can have a, another sale down the line with Black Widow stuff. Well, no, because even what I was going to say was my Marvel Puzzle Quest, and you could probably hear more about this on Puzzle Warriors 3 this week, um, that the Black Widow stuff starts this week. All the Black Widow in-game stuff, the new five-star Yelena Belova comes out this week, all the themed uh, Black Widow events are taking place over the next 10 days, starting on Thursday. Like, all that stuff was in their pipeline. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, yeah, we're just leaving it in. Whatever. Well, I can't imagine it's easy just to, like, change all that, you know, digital stuff. Well, the game stuff, you know what I mean? I guess. I don't know. You know, because, I don't know how things work. Right, but I look at it as, I know we're not a game show, but it's, look at, like, oh, we have this stuff and it's all ready to roll out. Well, what do they have? Like, they have to, they may not have anything else ready. So, were they just not going to have an event? For, I don't know. You know the game better than I do. So, would they just have nothing for a month? Uh, no, they'd have something. It just, I'm not sure what they would have. I gotcha. We, I could si we could sit here and debate whether or not what they actually have is a thing, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so DC is having a sale, something that they're calling the DC starter pack sale. Um, it seems to be just like a bunch of like first trades of stuff, but sometimes it'll be like two trades or sometimes it'll be like five trades of a story arc. Um, then it's like the first, it, it's like every first issue that they have is in this. Um, you know, if you want just issue one of the four different amethyst uh princes of gemworld series is is, is. Mm -hmm. you can get just the first issues of those series is good i don't know want to test each one out see which one sh which gem shines the most oh my goodness um yeah but i don't know if you don't want to spend stuff there's a bunch of free comic books but there's also free podcast that you can check out as well all part of the soon to be named network soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com i moved that plug because i forgot uh when anytime any of the shows in our network of like-minded individuals friends or otherwise decide to put out a podcast and i will say this this is the one good thing about the soon to be named network with all this free time that allegedly people have we're not like tripling down on our output we could, but we won't. Right. 
So there's people with their podcasts that are like doubling and tripling down. It's like, well, typically I'd put one episode out a week. Now I'm putting four episodes out a week and they're all three hours plus. That must be heck on true podcast fans who who are like addicts. I I don't know any of them, like, you know, looking in your direction, Joe. But (laughs) there are other people who have just completely stopped doing podcasts and just like, yeah, we're going to just release our old back catalog. Enjoy. You do what you want. I don't know when (laughs) we'll be back. Oh, to each their own. Yep. Everybody in the soon to be named network is just staying their course. New episodes of Longbox Heroes, one a week. New episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, one a week. New episodes of Profane Arguments. New episodes of Puzzle Warriors 3. New episodes of Wednesday Night Wars. New episodes of Final Wrestling Place. New episodes of At Odds with Wrestling. One episode a week of these things. Right. Unless they're Patreon stuff. But that's the thing. We're not adding any extra Patreon stuff. Right. It's the same two-week schedule that we have for our Patreon shows, which will get a little bit more of a push later on in the uh, episode here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, all this stuff is in the link to the show notes that accompany this episode. Not more else to say there. Yay. Yay. Uh, so let's talk about what we read this past week, sir. Uh, I guess I'll start again with uh, Thunderbolts. Uh, basically, the end of what you had had given me was, you know, that the Thunderbolts had been outed by Zemo, so Zemo can, can you know control them and like take over stuff. So we get the plan in Eleven, and basically it was the mind control from the Marvel team up issue, which obviously became very important that they've, you know, were slowly taking over the world and the Avengers and FF who are back, couldn't figure out how they were doing it. And they're, you know, up in space hiding and Zemo's like, slow, we we're going to take over the world. And Jolt basically gives them the old pep talk. Hey, didn't you enjoy what you did? Blah, blah, blah. Basically, the team takes splits up sides. Basically, Zemo, Techno, and Atlas, everybody else, you know, fighting the good fight. Uh, It goes down. uh, Eventually, you think, hey, the Avengers are here, and they're going to stop FF and everybody. And I actually thought that was a cool ending, a surprise ending. You find out that they're being controlled by Zemo, and it's like, hey... The, the the Thunderbolts are in trouble and that goes into the next issue. They make a they make a run for it. Um but Atlas ends up joining up because Zemo's gonna kill Jolt, which is a whole thing later on that they talk about uh why Atlas did it because of his sister. I, I like that. But they they escape, but they end up running into Iron Man. Iron Man gets them together, they go back and they fight, they take down Zemo, Moonstone puts a whooping on on Zemo, which is hysterical, like pulverizes some teeth. I don't know what she's up to. The best character in the book, by the way, is is Moonstone. Um, and they decide to give themselves up to the authorities after they beat everybody. Zemo and Techno get away, and they're like, "Okay, we're going to stand for our crimes. Maybe we can, you know, come out of this reformed." And then they get teleported away as a two part, like two issues. This was fantastic, and I loved the. Uh, the cliffhanger and I like Atlas helping Zemo get away because he owed him and he's like now we're even our debt is canceled get out of here so like good start for two issues okay uh yes Moonstone awesome um 
I liked Moonstone in this run. I really liked all the characters in this run. But the one that I end up liking the most hasn't debuted yet. Okay. Or have they? I don't know where you are in the run. Maybe we'll, No, I don't think they've debuted yet. But of our current group of Thunderbolts, my favorite is Mach 1. Because of the allegiance of Spider-Man. Uh, his ties to Spider-Man as the Beatle, where as Beatle, he was just like a guy. He never really was anything. They never really fleshed out his character. And just because he was someone that I've read in Spider-Man books and to see like him treated with like care and backstory that's still being dealt with and handled and addressed today in today's books. Right. They gave him some character where before he was just a one note pony. Yep. Um, basically he was just one of the nameless uh, animal-based uh, villains that they gave Spider-Man over the year, which I can list them all, which really puts a hurt on, you know, the whole Spider-Man's rogues gallery. But anyway, um, so that happens and they, you know, they're teleported away at the last second. And this is pretty much the only like dip in quality in the book for me was this two-part story where they go to where Atlas was trapped in the beginning that Zemo and Techno and it, like they, they took him out of. It's this whole like insect thing and basically they just go over like at when Kurt Busiek is good and he knows his continuity, he just pummels me with two issues of continuity. Like Atlas is like how he got here from this book to that book to he got to this, he was here before and he was back. And I'm like, just move, move it. This, <laughs> these two issues of 13 and 14 to the uprising and, and the Thunderbolts helping it out in Moonstone, you know, to like, manipulating everybody and she ends up killing the king in front of uh uh songbird and mock mock one and everybody kind of thinks she did it but they can't prove it i'm like this should have been one issue this should have been one whole issue but man it just i was like it's this is so boring it sets up pieces but i could have done com completely without it you know what I mean? Like, just yep. get through it fast. They go back to, like, the Kang robots and in the story, but I don't know. But we also find out that uh, that Zemo and Techno got away and that they're alive. So that's, like, a good, nice little uh, little addendum to that story that obviously shows up in this storyline. But you you say you agree that they may have gone on a little too long with this these two issues? Um, I could – well, okay. Um, these ones obviously are not key – they're part of developing Atlas's backstory. Uh, as you mentioned, how Kurt Busiek knows his Marvel continuity better than anyone, and he really hammers it home. This stuff doesn't stick out as much to me as part of the main run, because it takes mm -hmm. place off Earth. Um, it's more to kind of establish uh, Moonstone's dominance over the rest of the group in the absence of Zemo, as she is trying to angle herself to be the new leader, it would seem. Um, and this just was a mechanism for her to do that. I don't feel strong one way or the other against this particular part of the story arc. Right. So like I said, this story, like I said, other than Moonstone making her power play, um, that was fast, fantastic. But they end up helping, like the, the second in command that they, they kill the king, they end up sending them home uh, the bug people end up sending them home because they have to. And when they get back, um, they're on Earth and uh, Jolt talks them into getting new identities and trying to start 
you know, be still be heroes. Don't take up new identities as new heroes, or you're going to be found out because we, we already played that card. You can't do it again. Um, so they end up using the money that Beetle had stored to do one last illegal thing by getting fake papers and, and new identities. And then from here on out, they have to be, to be good. Um, I, I like that. Uh, Atlas goes on the run because at, Another thing that I did like, it goes all the way back to the negative one issue and the annual. It shows that like, hey, he's a runner. Um, he's run away from everything. He's run away from Zemo. He's run away from the army. He's run away from all the, the villains that he sidekicks. So that's an interesting adding to him. At this point, he, he also runs because he found out the girl he loved, Dallas, uh, who was the, the, the reporter. Uh, right. The, the liaison. No, wasn't she the liaison? Oh, that's right. That's right. The liaison to the to the to the Avengers and every to the to Shield and everything. She got in trouble, so he's broken down about that. She ends up leaving, so I don't know if we're going to see her again. Um, but she ends up like disappearing into the ether. Um, but that goes on. We also find out that uh, Techno wants his old body back. He wants a, a, a living body in case he needs it. So he ends up cloning Zemo, and Zemo does not like that. Um, and I feel maybe that might come into play a little bit later, but I'm not. 100% sure. Uh, one thing that I don't like is that Songbird is reverting into her old wrestling thing, Screaming Mimi, and she's actually used Screaming Mimi 316 just did something, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, where Songbird was high up on my list because she was becoming more independent, as she becomes her old wrestling character, she goes to the bottom of my list of, uh, of Thunderbolt fans. I could not stand it. And then at the end of this issue, it's another nice cliffhanger is the lightning rod show up because they have, they're mad at the Thunderbolts for <laughs> ruining their good name because they changed it off panel to the lightning rods to kind of get to glom on to the, to the heat, to, to ladle the warmth of the Thunderbolts. And then they turned out to be the masters of evil. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's hysterical. That's right. So that's a more um, subtle, a little bit more, subdued joke to make at the expense of the Great Lakes Avengers. Mm -hmm. Right before this was the Great Lakes Avengers appearing in the Joe Kelly Deadpool book, right. where they were just made to be utter clowns. So it was pre the Great Lakes Avengers becoming the lightning rods uh, in Deadpool. So after seeing them in Deadpool being made a complete joke, a complete mockery of, and then they show up here in the Thunderbolts, and they're still kind of treated as jokes, but in a little bit more serious of a way. Mm -hmm. Right. So we, we they end up they end up like beating them, and in the next issue, and they go on. Um, they 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 bait, the Thunderbolts leave, and they get away from Shield. And they end up finding out that the Hulk is, you know, rampaging nearby. But they go fight him, and they find out that it's actually a robot who's been, you know, building up energy or something like that. And it's it was sent by Zemo and Techno, which I thought was was actually kind of cool. And as this is going on, Atlas sees it on the on the news because he he was with his brother who they get more of the backstory and he, he when he ran his family went downhill and they all went into despair his brother lone shark got shot he 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 dies on him and he's like you know what i've abandoned too many people he sees 
the Hulk fighting and the, 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 the lightning rods fighting the Hulk. He's like, I'm going to go back. And it was a whole thing to release Graviton. It was a Zemo plan. While all this going on, there's a new citizen V running around who says that he's uh, the real grandson. But I, I don't know yet because we didn't get that far. I think he might have something to do with the cloned body that Techno was, was making. Don't know. Don't know if you want to say anything. No, nope. but, uh, they end up, uh, they end up, uh, you know, beating it. And then the, 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 the lightning rods end up letting them get a, a five minute head start because, you know, they were good. Uh, Graviton runs away because Moonstone talks her way out of it, which I liked. Um, so the Thunderbolts go off and they get this cabin in the woods and they decide to, you know, do their thing. This is where the reporter shows up that there's some network wants to embed a reporter because the Thunderbolts may be becoming hot again because people believe that they're heroes again, maybe. And then the the Masters of Evil from Issues and Issues Ago without Zemo show up with the Crimson Cowl, makes them an offer. You're going to work for us or we're going to bury you. Decide. And that's how the, the last issue is. This whole run I liked because it seemed to be two issues of story and then like they'd move on to something else except for the bug people one everything just you know flowed very nicely just a couple things to touch on about what you had said there i know one of our listeners had tweeted at us about songbird's destiny as it was uh around this time busick was also doing that avengers forever maxi series right where it was all the different people pulled from different timelines of avengers whatever and it was a timeline where not only Songbird was on the Avengers, but she was leading the Avengers. Right. And that is a plot thread that never ended up getting picked up on ever, and I was really bummed about it. Um, You'll see where the Songbird stuff is going. Mm-hmm. They do give it a resolution. Um, It'll be up to you whether it's satisfying or not. Right. As long as it's not wrestling-related, I'll be okay. No, no, it's not. Um, I'll give you that much, at least. No, You know, spoilers there. Uh, I like them establishing Crimson Cowl to be like the new big baddie in their world. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it doesn't pay off in the way that they would hope that it would. Right, because I'm trying to figure out who Crimson Cowl is. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if we're going to get like a reveal where I'm supposed to be shocked, which that's what this book like keeps trying to do. Like, oh, shocking, it's a new Citizen V. Oh, who's the Crimson Cowl? And I'm like, okay, let's not you know play this card too much. If you Okay. Will. Now. Uh, so this run, uh, of Kurt Busiek, I forget when his run ends on the book, Mm -hmm. but toward the late twenties, early thirties on this book, it starts getting co-written by Busiek and Fabian Nisenza. Right. I think it might be around issue 40 or so where Nisenza takes the book over completely Mm -hmm. from there on out. It's every issue is like. New shock, new shock, new shock, new shock. And it's good if you've been reading the book this long. You've invested in these characters. You care about them. You want to see what happens to them next. But it gets to a point where it just seemed as though maybe the editors, maybe Nisenza, maybe whomever didn't understand that the initial shock and then this shock and then this shock and then this shock here you spread them out, you space them out, you have something where if it's just shock upon shock upon shock, shock, and it's no time to let any of those new developments register because you've got another one 21 pages later. Right. If everything's a shock, nothing's a shock. Right. And that's what the book ends up becoming, sadly. Right. 
Um, you know, and it kind of ends with a whimper, but you know, the Busick stuff still ends up being really, really strong, as you've mentioned. Um, the and again, I don't want to spoil anything about Crimson Cowl, I don't want to spoil anything about Citizen V, as you'll get your res- resolutions there. Um, there's a big one that's coming up in what you're going to be reading next, which may be spoiled on you, may not have been spoiled on you. I may have mentioned it before, um, but it's like the last big shock of the Busick run. Okay. And then I don't it's know. a bunch of like little shocks that play into that. I don't know. I may have known it. You know what I mean? But since you're not giving me any hints, which is fine, right. I can't say if I know it or not. You know? Right. And it might be one of those things where you get to it, it happens, and you'll be like, oh, I remember Joe saying this. Or I remember Josh saying this. Josh uh, T Bolts 7, whatever his Twitter handle 712. is. Or Scott, even. Summer U is also right. a big Thunderbolts fan. So Todd is besieged on all sides on this Thunderbolts run. Mm-hmm. And Which I'll is. say this. So Todd obviously is, re- you know, reading the Thunderbolts stuff. And obviously there's so much more backstory because these are characters that are steeped in a continuity that touches all these different corners of the Marvel Universe. Whereas I may not be as verbose in regards to what we're going to discuss about Conan because the Conan stuff, while good, is more self-contained. Yep. There's no further continuities that it touches. There's no thing. It's like, well, this is introduced and it's going to pay off here. There's one thing that's introduced and that gets paid off later. And maybe there's like another thing, but then that person just gets killed like three issues later. So it really doesn't matter, you know? Right. I always say like, I laugh because you're like, oh, I'm trying to memorize these names. I'm like, don't. Because usually adventures end with Conan going off on his own to another new place and finding people he's never seen before. Mm Mm-hmm. So, or the towns that you're trying to learn the names. I'm like, I never did. I was just like this wizard and that woman warrior. Right. But at least for the purpose of speaking into a microphone that people are listening, I'd like to at least give some sort of context because we're, you know, we're reading multiple issues in a, in a row. And even if you've never read Thunderbolts, you might be able to put like Baron Zemo's face to a name or name to a face. And he has an ugly face and he's got an ugly face, right? He got his face glued to him or something. What or his mask glued to him. Wasn't that his deal? I thought that was the first one. His was some sort of acid. I don't know. You're the Zemo guy, not me. Right. So again, I only have to mention these because so much of the Conan stuff revolves around like, here's where he meets this person named this. Or this is when he goes to this town where this happens. Mm-hmm. So I have to say these sort of things because it's like six different towns and, you know. I gotcha. Clarity. So 15 is one of the prequel issues. What are they what's that little story arc called? Born on a Battlefield. Born on a Battlefield, which is the uh origin of Conan told as breaks in between major story arcs in Busick's run on Conan. Uh this one takes place 2 years after the previous one. Uh Conan is 8 years old, not quite a man, but kind of shunned by the rest of the children. Uh, he is told a story by his grandfather, uh, a fable, if you will, which is very much along the lines of what uh, become what will become of Conan, the decisions that Conan will need to be made in his life. Mm-hmm. But while Conan is out in the battlefield, one of the higher chieftains, hunters, what have you, uh, amongst the Sumerians, uh, Crawshot, uh, is f- is felled. He's injured. A tree branch falls on him. It's too large for him. He may be injured. But now as 
he is attempting to do this, and Conan is attempting to help him. They're surrounded by wolves. It's a pack of wolves that come around. And this goes on for a while in this issue, but it needs to go on for a while because it really needs to establish the pace and paint that picture of what's going to happen. And it's one thing for these things in Conan's life to happen. It's another thing for them to happen at a young age. And it's another thing for there to be a witness of. Crucial. If this happened to Conan when he was older, in the current days as we're reading him, or even in the younger age there, and there was no one around to see it, it's part of the legend. Mm -hmm. But the fact there's a witness, it is part of the legend, but it's something that could be corroborated by another reliable source. Right. And as eight-year-old Conan is circled by the leader of the wolf pack, he does not turn his back on them, but instead battles him and rips out his throat with his, with his own teeth. Mm -hmm. Proving what Conan has in him above all else, all other Sumerians. This is the moment. You know, you could point of these moments that we've read and talked about um, in the origin stuff of Conan. Being born on the battlefield. The previous issue where he has the instance where he has to stand up to the older boy. This is the one. He's amongst the elders. He's amongst the adults. And he makes that move. He makes that initiative. He takes down the wolf pack alone as an eight-year-old boy. This is where... Conan becomes Conan. Right. And I love this. I love this issue too. And like you said, the way it plays out and it takes time, it's so tense as Conan's just staring down the wolf. And then he gets into the good graces of the elders. Cause the whole issue before that, he's trying to like help the elders and everything. And then they're like, let's go. And they go off and they take him to get drunk and carouse and tell body stories. And Conan has his first hangover it's fantastic. Like telling I, I, the, these born on the battlefields are fantastic. And I love the way they weave in and out. Um, they're perfect palate cleansers between storylines. And I do believe uh, that the, they will, I, you know, weave a story through the five or six of them that there are, that we get like an, an overarching thing, but yeah, I'm with you. This is the beginning of the Conan we all know and love. So now we move on to issue 16, and the majority of these issues here, 16 to 22 that I've read, are more of Conan obviously being the barbarian that he is, hence the title of the book, being the fighter that he is, but more of this focuses on his stealthiness and him honing his skills as a thief, mm -hmm. which is what is going to set him apart from just the typical bruiser brute type character that he has that cunning that he has that stealthiness that he has that stealthiness along with the raw power along with the the, the mind that he has and yes he is still a fool because in in issue 16 uh he's taken advantage of by two women they rob him he gets frustrated and he decks the innkeeper for kind of letting it happen mm -hmm. but it's a learning lesson for conan he realizes that it wasn't the innkeeper's fault. And he kind of even laments a little bit later on when he comes in contact with the innkeeper's son and he finds out who it is and he backhands the kid, right? Mm -hmm. Couldn't get away with that in a comic in 2020, but I read in a comic here in 2005 or 2006, whenever this came out. Mm -hmm. But we're getting to see Conan learn, not just honing his skills, but not uh, trying to control his temper, 
trying not to just fly off the handle at any sort of adverse thing, because obviously that could be a problem. And very rarely do you see that sort of learning in a character like this. Yes, he's evolving. And I do like the other thing is that it's showing how much he has disdain for civilization at this point. Like he looks at civilization as just lying, cheating backstabbers. And they're, everybody's like that. And he's going to, you know, like look at it that way. But then he slowly learns, like you say. So I do, I do think like Busick does a great job of evolving the character to get to each of the, uh, adaptations of a Robert E. Howard story. Right. Uh, so in this town, of course, he's now attempting to find what was, uh, no, hang on here. One second. I'm just going over my notes. I apologize. I I write extensive notes on this, right? Mm -hmm. I do hit beats on Thunderbolts. That's what I try to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I I do also want to throw out, of course, good to see Carrie Nord doing a lot more of the art. Right. Uh, Because I like the way he draws a lady. Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. He draws a lady very well. Yes. So as Conan is attempting to go outside of town, he runs upon these, like, three demons, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then we get the story of the wizard Ignis Kutha who brought these demons to forth and it's him still being alive in this tomb that Conan has stumbled upon that is allowing these demons to continue. Uh, The demons bones start speaking to Conan, essentially attempting to take him over, but failing to do so. But Conan is able to fell these three demons by picking up a sword that was alongside the felled wizard and uh, able to slay the demons from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conan wants to get out of this town, go on to the next thing, and he asks the uh, first person he comes upon, where is the worst place in the world? And the young boy directs him to Zamora, the city of Thebes. Yeah. Again, continuing on Conan's uh, journey into all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, As Conan is learning lessons, he is also uh, failing at some lessons, as previously in the last set of books that we read, where he stole stole those vestments, Mm -hmm. that would almost be impossible to fence, as we would learn later in this story. Uh, He steals a giant bowl, a giant dish, called the Brazier of Marduk. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, an almost nigh-impossible item to get rid of. Uh, but here he, com- he he overhears in a bar, in a tavern, in an inn, people who get rid of their wares in a variety of ways. And Conan comes upon Rafir, who, again, a little bit more on the nose. Rafir, he's drawn very rat-like in appearance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very dishonest in appearance, you'll say. And this is the person who is going to be the go-between from Conan to the stuff that he steals uh, to the the guy who's actually in charge of all this. Right, the fence. The, fe- the real fence. So obviously Conan, uh, you know, Conan smells a rat almost immediately that this guy's trying to take him. And this guy, of course, was going to overtake Conan, which is a mistake that everyone makes. <laughs> They're going to overtake Conan, but that never happens, right? Right, because he's a big, dumb barbarian. Yes. 
Uh, so Conan tracks uh, Rafir, uh, goes back to the fence, and, uh, you know, Conan is like, you know, you know he, he kind of starts playing big and like, don't cheat me. And the guy's like, there are dishonest fences, uh, but they are not me. Uh, their clients inevitably hear of it, and then you have to deal with them the way that you had to deal with Rafir. And he's like, no, I'll play fair with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I'm able to do this as long as I have been. Uh, Conan also uh, acquires there not only some payment, but also the young lady who was with the fence, a woman by the name of Tanana, Tiana. Right, I go with Tiana. Tiana. Right. Right, so this appears as though, uh, you know, she's going to go on the road with Conan to the next town as the fence sends him on his next mission. Um, to gal- I, I, oh, oh, wait, so my apologies. This is before we get to issue 19 where they continue, these two, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, to get the crown of Tiamat. We get a uh, a break story in this, which is the story of the helm. Right. We get art in full by John Severin. Now, we do not... We, we assume that this particular helm... And this is going to be quick. We assume that this particular helm is or was Conan's helm. Right. Remember when he found the two frost giants and the girl? Yes. Early on, he lost his helm that his father had given him, and that's them finding it in the snow, and it's the the tale of what happens to it afterwards. And it's an interesting story, you know. This is um, almost Vertigo in like I, I, it's almost Vertigo and Ask, where we're getting the trials and tribulations and travels of an inanimate object, right? And therefore, telling a story there. Good issue. Fill in issue very clearly. I'm sure there will be more to pay off on that at some later date. Nothing. Oh, okay. I'm just going to tell you right now because that issue was a fill in probably because Carrie Nord couldn't make the artwork. Um, and it's something that I don't even understand. It's there, there were stories written about Conan by other writers other than Robert E. Howard after he took his own life. And they say there's problems with the continuity and whatever. This is a, a nod to that that I'll never understand, even as a Conan fan. I'm not the Conan fan our retailer is. And it's supposed to, this whole issue is supposed to show you the problems with continuity in these other stories somehow because they all have a little bit from them. And I'm like, don't understand it, don't care, way over my head. So, like, knowing that, it makes it a lesser story to me. But you not knowing that make, makes it a better story. Okay, so Conan uh, goes on to the next town. He is tasked with stealing the crown of Tiamat. And in doing so, he has uh, Tinana with him. But in his escape from getting the crown, he bumps into Giara, who is one of the women that when Conan was passed out drunk, fleeced him in the previous town. Mm -hmm. Uh, So while Tinana is out, Conan comes upon her, puts them in the place where they're staying at the inn, puts a bunch of gold in front of her and (laughs) says, if you're truthful because you're telling me that these other people fleeced you and I had no choice but to go along with them, I'm going to put you in this room with this gold. Prove you're trustworthy and stay here and don't take this gold or take the gold and I'll find you and kill you. Yep, that's a great scene. Yes. Um, I also (laughs) like the part where in Conan's narration Mm -hmm. um 
he he hides the crown mm-hmm. in a place where quote no one will find it. Right. And then when the woman uh, 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 Giara is still sitting there, and Tiana comes back, and they have a conversation, or her uh, her inner monologue is. Uh, quote, and that crown so obviously hidden in the f- loose flooring. Right. So I just thought that was a fun little bit there that she very obviously saw what Conan was doing, but in Conan's mind, it was very stealthily hidden. Right. And she, and she ended up finding more gold and piled it all up, and she's deciding whether she should run mm-hmm. or stay. And it's like, you don't mess with Conan, you know? Right. So the theft of the crown has released... I guess what you can consider some sort of Cthulhu-like slug monster on the town. Yes, which really quick, uh, Robert E. Howard and who wrote Cthulhu stuff? Uh, H.P. Lovecraft? Lovecraft. We're friends. Okay. And so this is a Busick's nod to that, but go ahead. So this thing is just kind of wreaking havoc through the town that was released by the uh, the crown being taken. Uh, as Tiana and... Giara having this big conversation, this big back and forth. They're about to come to blows, and then all of a sudden, this monster crashes in and just eats Tiana. Yep, and the crown. And the crown. They're done. Everything's gone. Um, and uh, you know, Conan. Uh, you know, earlier in the the issue, he was kind of listening to some of the wizards in the town, some of the nobles talk about this sort of stuff, and Conan paid it no mind. But after seeing what happened with the big giant slug monstery thing, he's like, nah, you go on ahead. I'm going to sit here and kind of listen to what they're up to. Right. Uh, so the next part of this takes us into, uh, I guess it would be a three-part story of the Tower of the Elephant. Right, which is an adaptation. Right. Uh, which is another uh, task that Conan has been sent upon by the fence to steal something from there. And it's at this point where the stories, I don't want to say are not good because they are, but we're into a routine where there's somebody at an inn, they're braggadocious, Conan confronts them, they start talking back to Conan, then there's a big scuffle, Conan takes what he's learned from this and moves, like, after he's kicked everyone's butt, moves on to the next thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like a lather, rinse, repeat with like a new backdrop, with a new town, with a new drawing, a new whatever, right? I get you. Now, in this, while Conan is attempting to plan and plot his way to get into the uh, Tower of the Elephant, he does so. He gets over the wall kind of in his big blustery way. But as he does so, he comes upon uh, the Prince of Thieves, mm-hmm. uh, Taurus who's a name that Conan recognizes, but he kind of schools Conan a little bit in different ways of being a thief Mm -hmm. on their adventure. Um, then in the, in the, once they're inside the tower, uh, we find out how Var the priest is getting his abilities, has his power, how, what the heart, uh, or what's in there, which is the heart of Vajakasha, which is this ancestral elephant-headed creature that's essentially being bled dry by Vara the priest. And this is where we get into a little bit of the mystical stuff on the Conan side, which we established I'm not a huge fan of. I get you. Me either on this. 
But right. I did like the art because in the second issue of it, when we get a little bit more of uh, Vajkasha telling his backstory and we get the little bit more fanciful, the little bit more trippy stuff outside of the real world, how he's an elder, how he's been here for hundreds of years, and how the resolution of this comes, I thought was somewhat interesting. And Conan speaks for us all where he doesn't understand a lick of it, and neither do I. Right. But, but go ahead. But but basically, I'm with you on these because these are the Robert E. Howard adaptations, and Kurt is doing what he can. I do believe that these short stories by Robert E. Howard are rinse, lather, repeat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that he had a style and it worked and that's what they wanted. And, and you can even tell like, because the stories, the, the short stories, there's not a lot of dialogue. So all the dialogue stuff is, is added by Kurt Busiek. Like before it's mostly like uh, Conan would just grunt and say, and he would be listening and in Robert E. Howard's stories, they give the, he'd give the gist. He's like, apparently they're talking about politics where, uh, where, Busick will put the politics in and make it interesting. And I look at the weakest of these stories are the actual Robert E. Howard adaptations by Kurt Busick. And this just, I'm with you. It's like, it's like, oh, this is pretty much just that story and this story that we've seen by Robert E. Howard mashed together. And it's a different take. And it doesn't work. Like I said, I just like the the Kurt Busick straight up alone stuff better. Yep. It's good, and we're going to close things out. Uh, we're closing out the month of April because it doesn't look like there's going to be anything new. Actually, there is one new thing mm-hmm. that we will read uh, next week. It kind of came out late in the week. Uh, neither Todd or I got a chance to read it, uh, but it is the new book by uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin from their publishing house. The book is entitled Friday. Uh, his plan, Brian K. Vaughn's plan, that is, was going to be releasing it like a page by page during the course of whatever's, but based on, you know, there being no real new books, the first issue of it out through their panel syndicate site, you can go get the PDF of it or whatever digital platform you want to use for it for free. Right. And it's Brian K. Vaughn. I like Brian K. Vaughn. And we're going to discuss that next week as well as closing out the month of Kurt Busick books. Right. Uh, I apologize that I did not get a chance to put a post up, but uh, things have been hectic, man. Yep. I've been wacky too. So all is forgiven, Joe. I'll let you go this time. Okay. So uh, next week, if you want to follow along, I am going to be reading issues 23 to 28, 32, 39, 45 and 46 of Conan, which are the last 10 issues that Kurt Busiek does in his run. Right. Todd's is going to be a little bit more straightforward. Uh, Thunderbolts, he'll be reading issues 19, 20, 21, 22. The Zero issue, Avengers 12, which is also written by Kurt Busiek. Uh, and then Thunderbolts 23 to 26, which puts him at 10 issues. It's a nice cutoff point. There's a status quo change in that last issue, and it's right before a big three-issue uh, arc happens. So, right. We're getting toward the tail end of uh, Kurt Busiek's run on Thunderbolts, and this is the definitive end of Kurt Busiek's run on uh, Conan. And then next month, if we don't got no new books, we'll figure out someone else, something else, some, something else. Right. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Yes, sir. 
so, of course, uh, longboxheroes.com. You can find all the episodes of this show. Find all the episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, you can find uh, Todd and Joe Have Issues, where the music posts fall under. You can go to our store, buy shirts or pins or stickers with our fancy logo on them. You can go to our T Public store. I think it's this week that the sale is going on that it's 35%, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So be sure to check that out. Uh, sign up for our Patreon. A dollar a month is going to get you our two bonus shows. Five dollars a month will get you those two bonus shows before everyone else, plus After Dark before everyone else. That's the push there. Amazon came through this week, and I have to thank you, the listeners, of course. We had a ton of Amazon purchases in the last week. And, uh, you know, obviously this is an ad-free show. Uh, We have the Patreon, and obviously that's not mandatory. We're happy that you listen. We're happy that you download. We're happy that you share. Uh, But if you could do that little bit extra, making your purchases through Amazon, that helps out as well. Uh, Some of the notable purchases uh, through the click-through this week include uh, somebody purchased some Starbucks House Blend Medium Roast Coffee. And I don't know where you are, but just this past week, coffee has come back into abundance in northeastern Pennsylvania. Don't drink the stuff, so I have no idea. Right. Somebody also purchased a 10 uh, or a 100 pack, rather, of Safeguard nitrile disposable gloves, which I could imagine that you probably need these days. Uh, Somebody also purchased an Avengers Marvel Legends War Machine figure. And a Nintendo import amiibo of King K. Rule from the Donkey Kong Country games. Hmm. On the reading material side, somebody purchased the first trade of Pete Tomasi's Green Lantern Emerald Warriors. As well as the hardcover of the most recent DC crossover, Deceased. <sighs> Love that name. Marvel Zombies done, done right, some would say. <laughs> exactly. Uh, somebody also purchased, and I assume that this was the same purchase, person purchased these books. Something called Black Sad, Black Sad, A Silent Hell, and Black Sad Armadillo. Obviously, a series of books in the Black Sad thing. Let us know who you are. Let us know if they're good. My mm-hmm. wife's always looking for actual real books to read, and uh, maybe I could recommend them to her as well. Can I ask you, just because uh, the email that you sent me about the show notes, is it Amarillo or Armadillo? Oh, Amarillo. My apologies. Okay, because I'm reading it's, the... Right. It's getting late, man. Not a problem. I just wanted to know what it was. You know, it was... I was like, wait a minute. My, not that for the listener, whatever. In my brain, I needed closure. All right. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased an Ernie Ball regular slinky nickel-wound bat, bass string set. Mm-hmm. As well as a 100-piece guitar pick set. Ooh, that's a lot of picking and probably a lot of grinning, too. <laughs> and I will say, uh, I already thanked the person privately, but I know it was not the bassist buying mm. bass strings. No, I think he has a collection of them. He's lousy with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I get I, I want to thank everybody, too, because especially we understand in, in the, like, you know, the way it is, you have to order a lot of stuff online because you can't go to stores and get them. So it means a lot to, like, use the click through when you do have to purchase something, you know, online. So thank you once again. And uh, last but not least, Ooh. you know, I don't know how these shows that have no comic books end up being the longest. 
We're going to talk briefly about the end of The Boys from Amazon. Right. And next week, we should have Legends and Flashback to talk about, too. Yep. They aired as we speak. So Mm -hmm. we will have those to discuss here next week. So at least we'll have a little bit of semblance back to the show for the next couple weeks. Uh, I like The Boys. I thought it was good. Um, I guess there's a sequel to this TV series coming out this year sometime. Right, season two, basically, yeah. Right. If I did not know that coming into this, I think I would have been more disappointed because there's there is closure, but not everyone gets closure. Everyone has these loose, dangling plot threads. Right. And then, of course, there's very... And, hey, we're in TV talk. It's a show that's, you know, some seven, eight months old. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. TV talk, you don't want to listen. We bid you adieu, four ninety nine, so on and so forth. Right. So, Compound V, uh, Butcher gets his hands on it. He gets the CIA person. He has the file built up. Uh, he wants all this stuff, but he wants them to deliver Homelander to him. And they can't promise that. So he pulls the order off the table and he lies to the rest of the crew. They know he's lying. They know how how bad he wants to get his hands on Homelander. And right. all he knows is that Homelander killed his wife. But we get more and more information from unreliable sources as to what happened to home, to Billy's wife. And once we got... Uh, once Homelander goes to the doctor, because they kept this all a secret from Homelander... Uh, Elizabeth Shue, who I forget her character's name, but she's the head of Vought Industries. Mm-hmm. Or she's at least the head of this project. Um, their whole thing is they want to get supers in the army so that they have control of the world's military, the United States military, right? Right. Okay. Um, so they, Elizabeth Shue, the doctors, everyone else keeps all these secrets from Homelander saying that they need to protect him. He's essentially Superman with an attitude problem, right? Right. So as he's trying to figure out what they're keeping from him, I think we as a viewer know everyone's lying. Right. When he goes to the first doctor who says that Homelander accidentally impregnated Billy's wife and then she and the baby both died in childbirth, it was at that point I knew she was alive and the kid was somewhere. Which is fine, but in the comic, Mm -hmm. see, I'd read the comic, that's the story that is true, is that's why uh, uh, Billy hates Homelander because he ended up forcing himself on Billy's wife. She had the kid, couldn't survive the childbirth. She died. I don't remember if the, the child lived or whatever. But so to me, that was a bit of a shock because I was expecting the story to go the way it did. Do you know what I mean? Right. So that's why I was thrown off. But so I was that, actually more shocked that it turned out the way it did. Did they not recently, Dynamite that is, solicit a miniseries that's called Rebecca's Back? There is a, I don't know if it's, maybe it is, there's Rebecca in the name, but whether or not it's Rebecca's back or whatever, but, so yes. So, uh, Homelander gets this information, 
Uh, he has stolen Compound V and given it to a variety of terrorist cells in the hopes that... Because Homelander is trying to help Elizabeth Shue's character. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the same social grace or the manipulative streak that she does. Right, he's about as subtle as a brick through a window. Right. Uh, she is not, and that ends up, on you know, unfortunately being her undoing the rest of the seven... Um, you know, end up having their own troubles and trials and tribulations. All the stuff of the deep being sent to Sandusky, Ohio. Oh my God. And yes. the way that they bury the surrounding areas of the Cleveland area, like Akron and Cleveland itself, and just take pot shots at them. <laughs> right. The fact that I have friends that live out there and they, they're like, oh, they're my Cleveland friends or my Ohio friends, but they say the same things about all those places. So I was cracking up like inappropriate laughter in regards to that, because I'm like, I talk to people every day that say these things. So it's extra funny. Right. But like the deep just kind of like, he seems like he's having a breakdown, but he's stuck there. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen Mauve just kind of like tells, and I wanted to say uh, Stargirl, Starlight. Right. To kind of like be her own woman. Don't let don't let what happened to me happen to you, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, A-Train is just a mess. A disaster after he tries to get the drop on Huey. And Huey is way smarter than him. Uh, but of course, we get the big resolution at the end. Where there's the standoff with Billy, Elizabeth Shue, Homelander, and the baby. And I tell you, man, that scene where Homelander lets Elizabeth Shue know that he knows that she's been lying to him and she just and he just fries her head. Oh, boy. Yep. Rough times. There was a lot of graphic stuff in this, but Mm -hmm. that was the one for me. I'm like, oh, boy, we're just doing this, huh? (laughs) Right. It's up there with Homelander taking out the terrorists. Like he's just sawing people in half with his heat vision. And I'm like, oh boy. And like we said before, how he can go from like like jerk to like like squeaky clean Superman to like every the, to sociopath. Like I really like the guy who's playing the Homelander as an actor because he hits all the beats you need to hit for for that character. Right. And you know, as I mentioned before about A Train is kind of a mess, but then we get the whole thing where like um the boys are gonna go save uh, Kimiko mm-hmm. and, uh, and again, I keep wanting to say star girl, but starlight right. comes to help them. There's the face off with a train and Huey starlight says, I got it. You go. And then there's no resolution there. Right. But that's for season two, Joe. Okay. But if, and that's the thing, if I didn't know there was a season two coming, I would have been wildly dissatisfied with the way that a lot of the characters and plot threads were left dangling. I agree with you, but in my, like, the way I look at every show that I watch, I'm like, there's a season two, because they want to do that. Whether or not it happens, because shows fail, like, people, like, we watch Good Omens on Amazon, and people were legitimately shocked, because they're like, whoa, we love this. How come there's not a season two? Because there's no book. There's nothing, like, they can make a season two, but Neil Gaiman was like, you know, me and Terry wrote this. We were going to write a sequel, but we never did. We will never give our blessings to a season two. So I I know what you're saying, but I just don't know how you can go in going, yep, there's not going to be a season two. Like, everybody wants it. 
you know what I'm saying? Well, okay. So, and that's that's the thing, of course. I could, you know, go into this assuming that this is all there is. This is these eight episodes are going to be the beginning and the middle of the end of the story that they want to tell. Right, but I look at it as any other thing. Like you, especially knowing that boys ran seventy issues or whatever, that it wasn't going to be the whole story. You know Ooh. that. Like Preacher was 60, it was four seasons, even though it should have been, you know, could have been more. They crammed it in. But like, I look at like Sandman, I'm like, oh, is that going to be one season on Netflix? Well, I know for a fact they did 75 issues and a few specials. It'll probably be, you know, or they'll hope to be more than one season. Like, if it was just a mini series, then one season. I don't know. I'm rambling a lot, but that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. No, no, I get what you're saying. Mm hmm. So, but you enjoyed it. You're looking. Are you going to watch yes. season two when it comes back? Absolutely. And is that a lot of because your wife liked it? Um, I think even if she didn't watch it with me, I enjoyed it. But the fact that two people in the house enjoyed it, I think that helps. Right. But what I mean is, I know how we've discussed on here that, like, you know, you don't get a lot like you, you crossover with you and Amy. you sit down, you get to watch the T, you get to watch TV, and it's like, oh, she liked it too. So, it to me, I look at it as it's more likely to get watched than like you were watching Alias and you weren't, didn't watch all the Marvel Netflix stuff because it was like you had to find time alone to watch it. You know what I mean? That's true. So I'm hoping, you know, we'll get more, more boys. Actually, I think they were saying when it was coming out like later. Yeah. This there's year no, or obviously there's no clear date. It just says 2020, you know? Right. Right. So glad you enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's the show. Uh, I need to wrap up so the show can actually come out. Unless there's something else that's burning inside you, Todd. No, nothing is burning. Okay. Thank God. So for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks everyone for listening to episode 499 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.